All right, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast, with my SiriusXM colleague, Danny Cannell. He is here uh, on behalf also with, with uh, our friends at Bet Online. Danny, big week in the Big 12. Not as good as last week's, because we had a bunch of bangers in the Big 12 last week. Like, like from 11 a.m. Central to like 1 a.m. Central, we had Big 12 action that was all awesome. Not as good this week. Not as good, right? Wasn't as good, but man, couldn't it? It was so close to being great. I mean, if Texas would have been able to pull off the upset, I still think they got hosed by the officials. And I've been getting in, you know, all kind of tussles with Bama fans who are like, well, we had 15 penalties against us. I'm like, yeah, but the ones that mattered the most, they didn't call because they were trying to officiate the game correctly to legislate it the way it should have been. And then, of course, the face mask, which I know they had settled for field goals before, but that and on the, uh, the corner blitz when there's a hold that's pretty a blatantly obvious call. But those are the breaks, man. You play Bama. You know, it's hard enough to beat Bama. You have to beat the officials a lot of times, too. There is a saving effect. But I think it's, I think it's, you know, I think it's been a pretty strong start for the Big 12. That really would have turned things around. I mean, there was some some, but like I think there's some bright signs too. Like the fact that Kansas might be on the upswing is a great sign. Like maybe the depth is there. Kansas State off to a pretty solid start. Like, there's some good signs, too, out there in the league, for sure. So, we've got we've got some exciting games. Obviously, just not as good as last week's schedule, but we've got some exciting games. And the first one that we're going to hit on, 11 o'clock Central Time on Fox, number six, Oklahoma. Ten and a half point favorites. That game that, that line's fluctuated some. At Nebraska, over under six, seven and a half. So, it's funny. OU's got the top ten ranking, but Nebraska, really the story here. Obviously, the you know coaching decision to move on from Scott Frost, and this could normally go two directions, right? This can you know this can kind of end the season, or it could galvanize them. I know you work very closely with Dusty Dvorak, who's an mm -hmm. OU guy. First of all, what's his read on this situation, and what's your read on it with the coach, the coaching flip for them? So Dusty, obviously, he's very close to. He lives in Norman, so he's very close to the program. And for a program that looked like it was going to be a disastrous offseason, like, oh, my God, like that blindsided everybody. Nobody saw Lincoln Riley going to USC. And there was a period of probably three to four weeks where it was like, what are we going to do? There was like, you know, some dismay. And yeah, Bob Stoops take over and he leads the coaching search or helps the coaching search with, uh, with Joe Castiglione. And, they, and then Dusty's like texting me. He's like, I think we're going to get our guy. And I'm like, who is it? He's like, you'll see. He's like, it's our guy. And I was like, is Venables coming back? And he's like, I can't tell you. That really was the guy for them to be back. And then he starts telling me, he's like, I think we're going to get Levy. I'm like, you're going to pull him from the SEC? And he's like, yeah. They did get a pretty good coup by bringing back Venables, who instantly, I think, up has, and it's pretty clear so far, has upgraded the defense on the field, I think both physically and mentally. I think that's like they're a tougher team than they were under Lincoln Riley. It's not a knock on Lincoln. It's just he was an offensive-minded coach. They were a little bit more of, uh, I don't want to say finesse, because they run the ball, but they just they weren't known to be a defensive juggernaut. So, they couldn't I tackle. I mean, they, they were not going to tackle. Like, right. It's, yeah, it's right. their offense, and they couldn't tackle. That's how we knew it. Exactly, Josh. So they, they're better defensively, and I don't think there's a drop-off offensively at all. I love Jeff Levy. I love his system. Dylan Gabriel, the way they have picked up right where they left off uh, in Dylan Gabriel's first year at UCF has been phenomenal. But this game kind of scary. This is a scary game because 
you know, you mentioned the spread. Like when it gets down, if it gets below 10, I would love Oklahoma. But man, you know, you are going to get like the best last ditch effort from Nebraska rallying around Mickey Joseph, bringing every like you are and it's going to be a full packed. It always is in Nebraska, but there'll be some excitement because there's some newness like, OK, we've had some rough go of it. But coming into the season, I was actually bullish on Nebraska turning it around because the roster, it was almost like, oh, they have to figure out a way. And then, of course, they don't. It's a disastrous first, you know, first uh, start and they make the change. But I still feel pretty good about the roster. So I think this is a really tricky game for Oklahoma where they were close in this game last year. You know this like it was a tighter game than anybody thought it was going to be. So I, I am actually worried about Oklahoma. If it gets under the 10, if it gets to single digits, I like Oklahoma. But 10 and a half, I kind of like uh, Nebraska to be in this game and take those points at the end because I do think you'll get their absolute best effort. And I think they're going to play loose. Like there was, this is a Nebraska team which has been playing up tight, which is one of the reasons Scott Frost went for the onside versus Nebraska. I think he was trying to like, man, let's go for the jugular. Let's not play tight. Let's go for it. And that ultimately backfired. But now maybe there's that tightness is gone because they're like, hey, we're, it's as bad as it gets. We lost our coach. And that's a dangerous play, a team to play against. When they're just playing loose, they got nothing to lose, new coach, and you know you're going to get their best effort. And one part of this, too, another Big 12 storyline, Casey Thompson, right, gets another crack at Oklahoma after leaving Texas. So, And, and I think Brent Venables had said, actually, we actually went after Casey Thompson in the transfer portal yeah. during the offseason. So that's another part of it, too. But – I'm with you on the number being around 10, but anything above 10 does scare me. Like we're also not a hundred percent sure how good the Oklahoma defense is yet. I mean, they look good so far, but they played UTEP and Kent state. So right. how good do we know they are? And, and that number, you know, the over under, like we know that we know that Nebraska might do their part defensively because they have been horrible so far on defense, especially last week against Georgia Southern. But we've, we've really got no clue about OU, like how good are they defensively? So I, if if I were to go towards this, I might actually take the under. That's kind of the one place I would go because I don't feel really good about the spread. I don't feel that good at anything in this game. Right. If I were to go one direction, I'd say the under is the one place I go. What about you? Josh, I'm with you. It, it, I like always have like almost a principle. If the number gets over 70, just principle alone, I'll take the under. Right. It's still not that high yet. It's 67 and a half. But I, the only thing that concerns me is there's a ton of public money coming in on the under because, hey, Brent Venable's effect, oh, they're going to shut down Nebraska. But I think this could be one of those more, like, wacky old Big 12. Like, Casey Thompson was slinging that rock against uh, Northwestern that first half. Like, they, they, Mark Whipple, if he's cut loose now, I don't know what kind of influence Scott Frost had on him as the offensive coordinator. Maybe he was trying to tone it down a little bit, but... I mean, all these coaches are playing to kind of, you know, playing for other jobs at this point. Cause I don't, I think even the most realistic coach would be like, yeah, we're probably not going to be kept. So now you start thinking about, all right, here's Mark Whipple comes in. He might just open it up and just be like, let's throw it all over the yard. And then you could get a little wild. Cause I definitely think Oklahoma is going to put up points. So I actually, I might lean the, the over, but I would avoid the total. It seems like, it just seems like it's a high number. They want you to take the under. And usually when that happens, Bam, the overhit. So I like Nebraska and the points, probably the best play in this play. All right, let's go to the next game here. So this one, it's it's a surprise. This one's on our list for big, big 12 games, but three o'clock central ESPNU, the Kansas Jayhawks 
this line's moved. This line's moved down to their the, the public money's been on KU. They're getting eight and a half at Houston over under at 57. Um, not only has Kansas been impressive, but because they've been impressive through two weeks, Lance Leipold has come up for the team we just mentioned, Nebraska, their head coaching vacancy, which makes all of this, you know, really interesting. But your thoughts so far on the Jayhawks performance and the Jayhawks high flying offense, which has been absolutely fantastic through, you know, it's once again, only two weeks, but Lance Leipold, you you can just tell the organizations there, his fingerprints all over it. They just look like a power five football team. They did in week one and the rally in week two down 14, nothing to start off the game, 21 points in the second quarter. I mean, this is like an actual football team now, which we can't say for a long time. Josh, this program was a dumpster fire. It really was. I mean, it was like when they cleaned house with less miles and they clear out, uh, who was the athletic director? Um, Jeff long, Jeff long. Yeah. And they cleaned house. And it was late in the game. It was like it was not like your typical December bad season firing. It was like after spring football. I Leipold think. got hired in May, I believe it was. Yeah, this was one where I remember having a discussion like, "Who the heck wants this job? Like, you're not going to get a good option." And then they go to Buffalo and bring in Lance, who's been—I think he's one of the more underrated coaches. I don't think people know what type, how hard it is at Buffalo, how hard it is to do what he's done already quickly at Kansas. I don't I can't stand like people who say I told you so or I was right and still not right. But I was one of my favorite win total plays was Kansas two and a half wins because oh, yeah. I was a believer in Lance Leipold. And if you looked at last season, it wasn't just the Texas upset for Kansas. They were starting to get one possession games. They were in all season long. They really fought hard. Well, in football, you, you nailed it because early in the season they were they were awful in second halves. Yeah. And then after that Texas game, they played TCU close. They played West Virginia close. So there's tangible evidence it was getting better. And football is an effort sport. Like, and you can see it all the time. Teams throwing the towel. You know, they, ah, you know, we're not going to make a bowl. We're going to do it. This team fought last year. So I saw the glimpses of it. Now you start to make a few changes. You tweak the roster. You get some of your recruits in. I mean, don't forget Oklahoma was right there. I mean, they're calling fans back. Remember, that was nuts. They're calling, open and open the gates. Please come watch. Right. Come in yeah. mid- halftime of the game, right? The yeah. Same time here. yeah. They had Oklahoma on the ropes. So I felt really good about this program coming into the season. I did not think they beat West Virginia on the road. Like, I did not see that coming. But he's got a quarterback, and Jalen Daniels is playing outstanding. And I do think there is a mental and physical toughness that hasn't been there in some time. And now you mentioned it because of the success. Here's the only thing I think about Nebraska, which has plagued a lot of programs that have been blue bloods, that a fan base, hyper-involved fan base, which is a good thing. They got deep pockets, and they can spend on NIL. They can buy rosters. Is Lance Leipold that hire that just blows them away? Is it the star power? And now this, I would say, if I'm talking to Trev Alex, I'm saying you call. If you can get Lance to pick up the phone and take this job, you do it. But I don't know if fans, Nebraska fans, or even any good, like, do they know how good of a coach he is? Or do they want to win the press conference and say, we got Urban Meyer back, which I think is an absolute insane, you know, I don't think Urban Meyer would come there. And it kind of reminds me of Tennessee. Remember Tennessee thought they were going to get John Gruden every offseason. It was like, oh, we're going to get Gruden out of the Monday night booth. And it was like, no, you're not. You're not going to get him back. So that's the only reason I don't know if – if it's Lance Ipole. Now, Matt Campbell, I think he's a name that because he's been in the in the Big 12. He's the first one you have to call, in my opinion. That's the I think step. so, too. I think so, too. There's also names to keep an eye on, like Matt Rule with the Carolina Panthers, who I think 
he wants to be an NFL coach. I think he's a better college coach. He, just the way he inspires and the way he coaches, I think it's more fit for college. But Lance Leipold would be a phenomenal, phenomenal pick. It's one of the reasons. So uh, as far as the game goes itself, I'm on Kansas in eight and a half. It's Houston's coming off two very emotional games. They had an overtime thriller against UTSA. Then they lose in a thriller to Texas Tech. Like it's been a tough bang. Like they've been banged up. I like their quarterback Clayton Tune, but I think Kansas getting him all they can handle. I think this is a touchdown game all day. So I like Kansas here in the eight and a half. Hey everyone, quick word from the sponsor on today's show. We are brought to you by, of course, Bet Online and BetOnline.net. All of these odds that you are seeing here, you can find at BetOnline and BetOnline.net, and you can find much more. Go there today, check out the odds, sign up, it's free to do. When you do, peruse everything from basketball futures to current football odds, both pro and college, Major League Baseball, F1, NASCAR, MMA, boxing, all of that. There's always something to bet on. If you want to bet on Champions League, which is happening right now, Premier League, all that stuff, they have it at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. BetOnline remains the best place for all your sports wagering information and up-to-date scores and odds. Once again, BetOnline, it's where the game starts. I'm with you on that. It is Houston's first home game. It's tough for them to play UTSA and Tech on the road. Um, I'm with you though. I think KU just won a game on the road. So, you know, they're not really afraid of going into that tough environment. That was a game West Virginia kind of need to have. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't get it. And KU took right. the pro. So, they're probably going to be having a coaching search as well. I don't like firing nice. coaches, but it feels that way early for Neil Brown. Yeah. And, and they've got a big one. This will they've got to be Towson first, but Virginia Tech's on the horizon too. So things will get easier for them. But yeah, I think KU, I'm not sure they win, but I, I think this game is close. And it'll keep good momentum moving into a KU Duke game, which feels like a very weird thing to say. Right. Uh, right. It's like a, a big KU Duke game. Uh, all right, next one. So this one is, it, it feels like the one team's playing with house money. The six o'clock on ESPN2, it's Texas Tech. 10-point dogs on the road against, I'm not sure if they're 16th. I think NC State got bumped mm -hmm. after that first game they had. But uh, over-under is 54. That's the total for you there. So this one, Danny, you know, backup quarterback, he's really not a backup, I'll be honest. Donovan Smith could start in a lot of places. Three second-half picks, comes back, converts a fourth and 20, gets the game-winning run for them. And they're on the road. This is not a start I think people expect them to have, especially with the backup in. You're kind of playing with house money against a team that played – last time they played a decent team, ECU, not sure how decent they are. They were on the ropes, like mm -hmm. big time. So all the pressure is on NC State here, it feels like. How do you feel about this one and, and also Texas Tech getting 10 on the road? So this may be Joe McGuire, fantastic start to the season. You lose Tyler Shuck. I mean, most teams are thinking, oh, and you're right. There hasn't been much drop-off from Donovan Smith, especially in his first game. He's close to perfect. When he like – 16 like, to 20, I think it was, or 16 to I think it might have been like 16 to 18, like even Four better, touchdowns. 18 to 20. Like it was phenomenal. Right. Like it was, yeah, whoa, it was where did he come? And then the interceptions come in. You're like, okay, this guy not played a lot. Like he's still cutting his teeth. This will be – like. And this is from a Florida State perspective. Florida State always struggled going to Raleigh. It is a tricky, tough environment, and they don't get that many opportunities to see a Power 5 opponent coming into town. So I think it'll be a pretty hostile crowd, which will be interesting. Here's what here's why I like NC State in this one. And this is what I'm kind of learning and as we're watching weeks one and two unfold. You had week zero, but it's very evident that 
teams don't have a preseason in college. Like you don't get preseason games to kind of get warmed up. And NC State laid a complete egg in their first game against East Carolina. And I think people overreacted that thinking, oh, do we over do we overhype NC State? Because a lot of people had them a trendy pick. They beat Clemson last year. Could they do it again? You know, if you don't pick Clemson, maybe it's NC State. But Devin Leary, their quarterback, I had him coming into the season as the best quarterback in the ACC. And he struggled against East Carolina, but he got it back on track last week. I think he could, I think he could eat some against this Texas Tech defense. Um, similar fashion to what you saw against Houston, like Clayton Toon putting up numbers. And I think this Dave Doran's put out, not only he's put up pretty good offense, got a pretty good quarterback, but they've had really good physical front sevens. So I think Texas Tech could have their hands full. So I actually like NC State laying the 10 here. It's a little bit dicey. You know, of course, you'd love to get it at single digits, but I think NC State, they play with a chip on their shoulder. I think they're still irritated that people, you know, and they should have. East Carolina, East Carolina missed a field goal, I think, to win the game. It was like a chip shot, and they missed it. Um, so they're still, like, that's out of their system, though. And I think they'll be, come out and you'll get their best performance. So I like NC State laying the points. This is one of those that I, I'd maybe consider tossing a tease if you're somebody who likes that, you know, get that point, get that point value lower for you. I, I'm with you on this. I think also with like the the early weeks of the season, the no preseason, right? I was kind of watching this game and I was talking to some friends about it. I was like, man, just just get the win and get out of there and address all that stuff after it's over. Like you you can fix it. You can get you can or hopefully you can fix a lot of it. Right. I, I was kind of on the I was kind of like, I think that they're gonna be okay. Just just get the win. Like just at least yep. get the win and then we see this all the time. Week one is never, and I'm sure you're aware of this too, the FSU has happened several times. It's a big question now. I know they played week zero, but all right. is week one actual evidence of who you are or is it you know just an aberration with no preseason? I made a mental note this year because I crushed it. Week one, I was like, okay, it's probably around 500. Week two, I crushed it because all you do is fade the overreactions. It's, and it's such an emotional... When you start gambling, you start putting, there's so many emotional reactions. You could see them show up in the lines. There were so many heavy favorites because it was like, oh, you know, this team's going to be, or Notre Dame, they're awesome, man. Look how tough they played against Ohio State. 20 and, and a half. To your point, Josh, about, you know, winning, fix it. A win is a win is a win. Don't ever apologize for a win. Ask Texas A&M, ask Notre Dame, ask any of the teams that got beat by the Sun Belt. Like, you'll take a win all day long. You're still alive. A lot of these teams got you know, their seasons derailed from potential loss or a loss. So yeah, a win is a win. Don't ever apologize for a sloppy win. Just, and that's actually kind of a blessing in disguise for coaches because then you can coach them harder and wakes them up. And the players are like, Whoa, we almost got beat. We better focus now. And it can be a good thing if you win ugly. Yeah. It's a good opportunity for them too, about to go into, you know, conference schedule, uh, you know, to, to get things on, right on track. All right, last one, seven o'clock Central Time, Longhorn Network. This is, I know you guys, the Cover Three podcast, have certain, this is like the game you all have circled, right? Um, so UTSA goes to Texas, 12 and a half point favorites, 61 and a half on the, on the total. Look, I know we're talking numbers here, but how can we tell anybody to go towards this game? We've got no clue who's playing quarterback for Texas. Now it's down to two people. It's going to be Hudson Card, who, you know, probably going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit gimpy, right? And also, it's going to be. I think it's Charlie 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 Wright. I think it's his name. Um, who's the four string? Because Malik Murphy, their third stringer, is is hurt. And and Sark told us that too. So big win for Jeff Trailer's UTSA team. They've played what three or four overtimes now in two <laughs> weeks or four or five, whatever it is now in two right. weeks. Um, I'm, we're not sure they're very good. Text. I mean, this one's like 
there's so much that goes into this one game right here with from both teams, not just Texas. Right. That poison, the a loss that feels like a win, everything. I mean, how how do you kind of think about this game heading into this week? I'll be honest with you, Josh. I'll give you a play, but I have no idea on this Let's one. Let's hear it. Like, I really it. don't. So the one thing I don't like, and this is like I, I've been trying to tell like Texas fans on social media. I'm like, be careful celebrating a loss. And it feels like there's a lot of there's a lot of positivity around Texas right now. Like, hey, we played with Alabama. Florida Gators last year with Emory Jones took Alabama to the wire. They had a failed two-point conversion, or else they forced overtime and they end up losing. And I remember the Florida Gators, a similar program, you know, trying to get back and trying to get relevant again. They were celebrating a tight loss. I'm like, oh, what are you guys doing? Like you need to be devastated. Like losing is losing. I don't care if it's Bama. I don't care who it is. And you know, I see Gary Patterson thanking people. He put out a tweet, like, thank you for your support and all, but all the credit goes to these players. I'm like credit for what? Like you lost. And I get, they played better than we thought. Um, but I was, I, I'm a little bit concerned that Texas feels like they've arrived because they got beat. UTSA, on the other hand, they lose the overtime thriller. They beat Army in a thriller as well. Jeff Trailer, this is their Super Bowl. They had the toughest three-game start, too, I think, maybe of anybody in the country. Starting with Houston, Army, and Texas is about as tough as it gets for anybody. <laughs> Definitely more than Michigan, who has the easiest three games of anybody in the country. But Frank Harris, mobile quarterback, can, can hurt you with his legs, which is always no matter who, hard, how good you are as a defense. And they played great. And I think they're going to be banged up. Like they're, it's a physical game. Alabama can beat you twice. I think physical is understatement. I, I would call it violent, Danny. Yeah. It's like violent. That Quinn Ewers hit. I mean, I know it's, is it legal? Is it not legal? But like, it's violent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Both quarterbacks are banged up. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty violent when you play those guys. Absolutely. I actually have Louisiana Monroe getting like 45 against Bama because I think Bama was, is going to be a little bruised and battered as well. And that's the good news for Texas. But I like UTS, UTSA in this one. Like if I'm going to go as history as an indicator, how many times have we had this feeling like, man, Texas is back and it's a lower, you know, a team that they're supposed to roll through and they've got their big 12 schedule coming up and you're feeling great. And you mentioned the question quarterbacks, no doubt B. John Robinson is going to get a healthy workload this week. But again, he's banged. Like everyone is physically bruised and battered. And it is easier to stop Bijan if you're not really worried about who the quarterback is going to be. And until we see, that's why I like, I just, I think this game is an avoid. Like I like to spray the board, but I think this game is a wait and see, you know, see what happens the first quarter, maybe take a live bet, something like that. But this game is one of those sketchy games i think is you're like sketch like what are we gonna get i have no idea but there's a lot of reasons to tune in you know like because if if texas does boat race utsa then you can start feeling like all right maybe because i was i'm never a believer in hype like i gotta see it first and i wasn't buying into the texas hype and you know hey we're gonna turn around this five and seven team and be big 12 contenders i wasn't buying into that um, but I was starting to during that game. If Quinn Ewers, I was buying into Quinn Ewers in that first quarter. I'm like, holy cow, does he look comfortable in this you know position? But I gotta see it. Like if you're if you're close to being back, and I hate that term, but if you're close to being what you want to be, you will handle UTSA by 21. I don't know if they're ready for that yet, and I need to see it first. 
I'm going to go with Texas. I, I'm I'm skeptical about the defense for UTSA. I mean, yeah, Army they've been just banked up, just tossing the rock all around the yard against UTSA. Now, were they looking for that? Were they ready for that? I'm not sure, but I think that Sark. The one thing we saw, Danny, last week, the game plan was awesome. Like yeah. the fact that they were using every different part of the field. Look, there, there was no. We're just going to hand the ball to Bijan and hope good things happen. We're going to attack you down the seam. We're going to go to the outside. We're going to go in the flat. I mean. They were using every single part of the field. Now, I love that. And so I thought the game plan, both offensively and defensively, at least to start the game, was there. So I think they know what's riding on this game. I actually don't think it's going to matter who's at court. I mean, right? like banking on Charlie Wright, whoever he is being, you know, and we don't know who he is. We haven't seen a whole lot of him uh, or at all, basically, any college game. Him being a you know, average, decent quarterback, that talent they got around him. Is it's just it's a lot. I know it's banged up, but it's a lot. So to your point, to your Josh, to your point, I give Sark a lot of credit. The game plan did not change when Quinn Ewers got hurt. Now Hudson Card was impacted throwing the ball downfield, but right. he still was calling shot plays. And you're right, a lot of a lot of coordinators get tentative against Bama. They get nervous. We got to get rid of the ball. We got to you know we can't protect. We're gonna you know we take it short. We're gonna play. He was aggressive, and I love that mindset. I thought he called a beautiful game offensively. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was everything it had to be, uh, and it just didn't work out for him. All right, we're gonna throw a bonus one in here. One a bonus one in here. Two thirty on Fox, so kind of weird West Coast two thirty Central Time start. BYU is up number twelve on the road against number twenty, not somehow ranked twenty five Oregon. Uh, three and a half point favorites. Over unders at fifty eight. I'm not sure if there's word yet on whether Nakua and Romney are going to play. This is big. I'm not sure. Do you, Danny, any idea on that one? Have you heard? I've anything? heard that they're not. That's kind of the prevailing sentiment, but I don't think it's been ruled out. But I heard Nakua is not going to play. And Romney so with that, I think they're going to be without their two top guys. Now, that is something where if you really wanted to play this game, I would wait till the last minute and make sure. But I think that's why the number where it is, you know, it's like you said, I mean, Oregon's top 25. There's no reason. There's no logical reason they're a top 25 team. But I think one of the reasons they're a favorite is because two of Jaron Hall's best weapons are not playing in this game. That's why I think this number is where it is. One that I wouldn't play is the over in a game where Bo Nix is involved and the other team might be missing two of their best wide receivers. So I'm just, I'm not saying I go with the over. I'm just saying I wouldn't definitely don't play the under. Um, BYU last week. I thought it was a win they had to have. I think losing two games to Baylor kind of makes you question, okay, what do we need to do going to the Big 12? And look, it was an over, two overtime game. So they could have easily lost the game, but they didn't. And they didn't have their two best wide receivers. And the speed was not as much of a problem as it was the year before. And they didn't get pushed around up front. They were great with run defense. Thought Baylor's offensive play calling wasn't great. 50 or 52 runs, I think is what they went with. But BYU took advantage of that, got the win late, and – Look, they have a gauntlet of a schedule. So kind of, I think for me, the idea here is picking out the losses without Nakua and Romney. This one feels like it is just because Oregon's kind of, they need this Oregon, Oregon needs this badly. So this feels like one that the ducks are probably going to get, but once again, Bo Nix, like, do we really trust him? So here's where you trust him. And here's why I like Oregon in this spot. Because I, the the performance against Georgia was not surprising at all. I mean, yeah, maybe it was it was surprising how ugly it was, but I didn't think I had Georgia with the point laying the points. Like I, it was in Georgia's backyard. You know, it's their you know first game back. And Bo Nix, 
He hasn't been great against SEC opponents, but where he is pretty good is against teams that aren't in the SEC or he's playing at home, which he's doing both. And I think he's actually a guy that can kind of manage the system, you know, spread the football around, not make those mistakes when he's not running for his life or he's getting hit a lot. So I think this will be one of those critical, like, all right, what is Oregon's offensive line, which is supposed to be good, didn't look great against Georgia, but even a lot of SEC schools don't look against Georgia. But here's the thing. If BYU does find a way to win this game outright, like if you if you want to take BYU, I'd probably just say take the money line and just kind of like, why not? Like if you feel like they're going to be competitive in this game, they got a chance to win it. If it was in Provo, I would love it. I mean, that's a significant home field advantage playing at altitude. But in Oregon, Outson's going to be rocking. I mean, this is one of their kind of early must-win games. It did come back, bounce back. I like Oregon in the points here, but if you liked BYU, I would say take the money line. And something to keep an eye out. If they win this game, they are very much, they could be this year's Cincinnati. They could be a, you know, independent slash, you know, future Big 12 team that could threaten the playoff. Their schedule, without question, if they run the table, they are 100% lock to make the playoff. I don't care what anybody says. With the amount of teams that they played beating Baylor, if they beat Oregon, if they beat Notre Dame, if they beat Arkansas, like show me anybody, including Bama or Georgia, who has better wins than those would be. And I know like there's a lot about Notre Dame, what's going to happen, Arkansas, what's going to happen, but I don't even care. Like that, that, still, their schedule would be more than worthy of making a playoff. It would probably be better than last year's Cincinnati's team's schedule, right? I yeah. mean, that's, oh, that's 100%. Kind of, and obviously, it's different years, right? The context, mm-hmm. but, but it feels like we also don't have as many good teams this season as there were last year. I mean, there's more parody. Yeah, there's a lot more parity this year. There's a lot more parody. But I think it's going to make a really fun season. Another reason why we need 12 teams in the playoff, because I think this is a perfect season why we do. Danny, you and I are on lockstep on that. Um, our, our friends, Barrett Salee and our friends, Josh Pate, I know, you know they, they don't like the trading access for exceptionalism. It's a different conversation, but uh, you and I are in lockstep on the playoff expansion. So um, we're there on that. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Oregon. I, I just think at them at home in a game they really need to have, mm-hmm. uh, th- this is one that they get. All right, DK, where can people find you in all the – I mean, you're all over the place. So where can people find the great Danny Cannell? I have three daughters to put through school, put through college and <laughs> weddings. So I have to do as much as I can. You can find me and harass me on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can catch me on Sirius XM. It's like pretty much anytime you turn on the channel. I'm in the morning, seven to nine on ESPNU. I'm on channel 82 from noon to three. And as always on CBS Sports HQ, uh, you can check out some of the TV work there. So yeah, you can. It's hard not to find me. It's a little hard not. Hard, it's hard it's to miss you. Ridiculous. It's hard to, to miss you. Uh, all right, Danny. We appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Josh. Have-